So today, I thought we could bring everyone a story from a company north of the border for many of you listeners. North of the border. Okay, so a Canadian company then. Exactly. One of the largest Canadian companies, to be specific, a giant in the telecom space, the AT&T of Canada, and how one coding error brought down half the internet in Canada, payment gateways and all, for an entire day. Interesting. Okay, that is a crazy thing to happen. Can't wait to get into this. Yeah, it really was. And it was just a couple weeks ago. And now the CEO has just testified in front of the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission just days before recording this episode. So we'll walk you through the whole thing and everything that happened right now. Let's roll that intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play. Rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is 
and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Okay, so first off, the company we're going to explore today is Rogers, and the incident was an outage caused by a coding error that was shipped during an update that brought down half the internet in Canada. Okay, so first off, I don't know much about Rogers. What, what is Rogers? Yeah, okay, so Rogers is like one of the AT&Ts of Canada. They're a telecom company. They're one of the three that own all the infrastructure up here in Canada, so everyone else that doesn't own a piece of the infrastructure, they have to rent bandwidth from them. So there's a lot of people relying on them across, you know, telecom, uh, TV, cable, internet. The two other major players are Bell and TELUS. Okay, so let's have a quick history lesson here. Rogers, it traces its origins to 1925 when Edward S. Rogers Sr. founded the Rogers Vacuum Tube Company to sell batteryless radios. That's right. In 1925, Ted Rogers invented the world's first alternating current, that's AC, a heater fulfillment cathode for a radio tube, which then enabled radios to be powered by ordinary transformer-coupled household electronic current. This was a breakthrough in the technology, and it became a key factor in popularizing radio reception. On May 6, 1939, he was working on a radar when he died suddenly due to complications of a hemorrhage just at the age of 38. He left a widow, Velma, and a five-year-old son, Edward, who is known as Ted. While his business interests were subsequently sold off, his son was later determined to carry on his father's legacy. Here's a clip of Ted Rogers in an interview post to the Ted Rogers School of Management YouTube channel. He invented the alternating current too. Right. And, uh... And this is, a, this is basically a radio that didn't need batteries. Did not need batteries. Which was revolutionary at the time. That's right. And he started manufacturing them um, in 1925. Uh, started CFRB in 27. In order to sell more radios. Yeah. <laughs> and had a TV license in 31. So he died, however, at, at age 35 or 7, whatever it was, in 1930. 35, and uh, uh, everything we had in those businesses was either uh, shut down, lost, stolen, and they were all taken. He started the company by buying an FM radio station in Toronto and went on to found Toronto's first private television station. In 1979, Rogers acquired Canadian cable systems and became listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange as a result. In 1980, Rogers acquired Premier Cablevision, and they became the largest cable company in Canada. Then in 1986, Rogers Cable was renamed Rogers Communications, and it established operational control over Cantel, a wireless telephone company in which Rogers had a significant stake. Now, on December 2nd, 2008, Ted Rogers died of heart failure. But his company and his legacy, they were solidified at this point. But when he died, his son, Edward Rogers III, who had been the active CEO for about the last five years, he actually wasn't selected to take over the company and a new CEO was put in place. So this big family drama started to play out. And this was one of the things that may have caused the environment that enabled the outage of 2022 to happen. Here's an overview from the National Post to kind of get you caught up on the drama. His son, Edward Rogers III, was CEO of Rogers Cable from 2003 to 2009. 
but he wasn't chosen to replace his father as CEO of Rogers Communications. He was made chair of the board. That is, until recently. Edward's fashionable wife, Suzanne, is known for hosting star-studded events. They have three children, and the family is friends with Donald Trump. Edward also has two sisters, Melinda Rogers-Hickson and Martha Rogers, who teamed up with their mother, Loretta Rogers, to remove Edward as chairman on October 21st, 2021. This was after Edward tried to oust Chief Executive Officer Joe Natale and a number of other senior executives and promote Chief Financial Officer Tony Stafiri to the top job. But Edward is also chairman of the Rogers Control Trust, a private entity that controls about 97% of the voting shares at Rogers Communications, a stake worth $6.7 billion. On October 24th, Edward claimed he had changed the board with a written shareholder resolution and that the new board held its first meeting on October 24th. The company, its new chairman, John McDonald, and Edward's sister, Melinda Rogers Hickson, all said that it's legally impossible for Edward to fire and hire directors on a whim, so the purported board meeting is meaningless. Martha has described Edward's fight for control of the company as less of a family feud and more of an attempted coup. But eventually, Edward would have his day. And in 2021, a Canadian court finally ruled on this, quote, attempted coup. Here's a clip from the CBC. Moments before the court ruled, photographs of Edward Rogers appeared on the Reuters wire service, chairman of the board style, just in time to accompany the news that Edward's power play worked. He won. His lawyers left the court smiling. And Edward himself didn't revel in victory. I take no joy in the decision or the events of the past weeks, he said. The judgment confirms I acted appropriately. What he did was use his position as head of the family trust, which controls the voting shares, to reinstate himself as chair and appoint an Edward-friendly board after the board, including his mother and sisters, had ousted him. This battle among ultra-wealthy siblings is unprecedented in Canada because of the reach of the company. More than 10 million Canadians have Rogers cell phone plans, not to mention television stations, sports teams, naming rights on pro hockey rinks. But the public nastiness is what really makes it unusual. Martha Rogers has blasted her brother on Twitter. In a statement today, Edward's mother and two sisters said the ruling represents a black eye for good governance and shareholder rights, adding the company now faces a very real prospect of management upheaval and a prolonged period of uncertainty at perhaps the worst possible time. Management upheaval could mean the current CEO, Joe Natale, is out. So now that he's in the driver's seat, I suspect that Joe Natale and, and probably several members of the senior management team will be shown the door, unfortunately. And when the family mentions the timing, they're likely concerned about Rogers' $26 billion takeover of Shaw Communications, currently awaiting regulatory approval. So this is the chaotic environment that the team at Rogers is working under. The big outage and more on that chaos after the break. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. 
business.att.com. That's business.att.com. So before the break, we covered a bit of the history of Rogers and the upheaval internally that led to the outage. Then on July 8th, Millions of Canadians don't have access to the internet or cell phone service. A massive outage is affecting a number of Rogers services across the country, including a wide range of businesses that rely on the company. Natasha Fata is tracking this story for us. Tell us more, Natasha. Diane, it has been a headache for people right across the country. I'll give you a small sampling of what I had to go through this morning. So like any unhealthy news junkie, I roll out of bed to look at my phone to see what's happening on Twitter in the news. Oh, Twitter's not working. Okay, phone's not working. Let me get online to see what's happening with work email. Mm, can't get online. Well, I better watch TV. Oh, TV's not working. Let me call Paul, our senior producer, and let him know I'm having trouble. Guess what? My phone isn't working. So that's just what every Rogers customer, basically right across the country, is dealing with. And just a short while ago, Rogers issued a statement hours after people had been dealing with this headache and not knowing. So let's bring up their statement on Twitter, which they say, we know how important it is for our customers to stay connected. We are aware of issues currently affecting our networks and our teams. We are fully engaged to resolve the issue as soon as possible and we will continue to keep you updated as to when we have more information to share. Okay, so what we don't get there is any kind of clarity as to why this happened in the first place and perhaps more importantly, when it's going to be resolved. That was a clip from the CBC News from that morning. Now, she wasn't exaggerating. It was chaotic. I'm a Rogers customer. When I left the house, my service was completely dead. No maps, no texts, no calls. 911 didn't even work. And at the stores, many of them couldn't accept payments because they either couldn't connect to the internet or their payment provider was down because of the outage. It was chaotic. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Now, here's another clip from CBC from July 8th explaining just how impactful this outage was across the country. I woke up and I thought maybe I haven't paid my bills or something like that. My schedule is usually jam-packed. I've got, you know, clients and things all the time. So I'm sure a lot of them need to get a hold of me and can't. So it's kind of a little bit worrisome for sure. Untethered from the online world, people saw it in Internet Oasis anywhere they could. This library north of Toronto was swarmed by those who usually work from home. So many that they overwhelmed the server. For two years and a half, I never, I never experienced something like this, but there's always the first time. The Rogers network went down early Friday morning, wireless, cable and internet, affecting every corner of Canada. At this pharmacy in Fredericton, work ground to a halt. My ability to uh, process prescriptions, ring people through the cash register, is, uh, answer phones, is completely non-existent at the moment. The ripple effect meant payment systems like Interact were down. A major hit to the bottom line for some. I'm just a little small fry down here, but there's lots of small businesses um, that thrive on tourism, and we have a short window. So what happened that day? How did half of the country's internet go down for over 24 hours? Well, the telecom had started the seven-phase process to update the core back in February, after what the company had described in its CRTC submission as a comprehensive planning process that included budget and project approvals, risk assessment, and testing. The first five phases had all gone smoothly, but at 4.43 a.m. on July 8th, a piece of code was introduced that deleted a routing filter. In telecom networks, packets of data are guided and directed by devices called rousers. 
and filters, they prevent these routers from becoming overwhelmed by limiting the number of possible routes that are presented to them. Deleting the filter caused all possible routes to the internet to pass through the routers, resulting in several of the devices to exceed their memory and processing capacities. This caused the core network to shut down. But they didn't initially know this. In fact, in the early hours, the company's technicians hadn't yet pinpointed the cause of this catastrophe. So Rogers apparently considered the possibility that its networks were being attacked by cyber criminals. At 6 a.m., just two hours after this code was introduced, Jorge Fernandez, who at the time was the company's chief technology officer, reached out to his counterparts at TELUS and Bell to inform them of the outage and warn them to look out for cyber attacks. Although Bell and TELUS offered to help, Rogers quickly determined that it would not be able to transfer its customers to its rival networks because certain elements of the Rogers network, such as the centralized user database, they were inaccessible as a result of the outage. In any case, the rival networks would not have been able to handle the sudden surge of traffic from Rogers' 10.2 million wireless subscribers. The Rogers network team gathered at the company's network operations center in Brampton, Ontario, to attempt to reestablish access to the network and to start trying to figure out what was the cause of this outage. In order to communicate with each other and coordinate the recovery effort, some employees started swapping out their SIM cards for Bell or TELUS SIM cards that they'd received back in 2015 as a part of an emergency contingency plan established between the wireless carriers. It wasn't until 8.54 a.m., roughly four hours after the start of the outage, that the company even publicly acknowledged the situation. They said, we know how important it is for our customers to stay connected. We are aware of issues currently affecting our networks and our teams are fully engaged to resolve the issue as soon as possible. We will continue to keep you updated as we have more information. The company's disclosures to the CRTC suggested that delayed reaction might have had something to do with the problems logging into online accounts used to communicate with customers. Telecom said that in the future, it would ensure its crisis response teams have alternate methods of accessing social media accounts that are protected by two-factor authentication linked to Rogers devices. They themselves were completely unprepared for this. See, Rogers uses equipment from different manufacturers in its network core, and two of the vendors the company buys routers from, they have different designs and approaches to managing traffic and protecting the equipment. These differences are at the core of the outage that Rogers experienced. And we learn this finally from the documents that they provided to the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. It took all day for the network team to restore the network. They had to disconnect the equipment that was causing the problem, redirect traffic, and confirm the stability of the network before slowly bringing services back online. The process had to be done methodically to prevent overloading the network and triggering yet another outage. I can't even imagine being the product team overseeing this upgrade. The pressure is incredible, right? Usually we ship something and if it doesn't work, we roll it back. But out of this one mistake brought down half the country's internet. Yeah, the aftermath right after this quick break. Welcome back. So before the break, we learned how this major outage came to be and what effects it had on Canadian citizens across the country. While they fixed the issue, that didn't prevent them from being hauled down to the CRTC. Here's Francois-Philippe Champagne, the Federal Minister of Innovation, kicking off the hearing. To come before this committee today. Because let's remember, during the outage, millions of Canadians were without cell phone and internet access for more than 15 hours. Hundreds of thousands, literally, of businesses, small and medium-sized businesses, 
had to turn customers away because they were unable to use Interact to complete transactions. Government departments lost the ability to provide services to Canadians. And most worrisome, countless Canadians lost the ability to call 911. Again, this is simply unacceptable, full stop. That is the message I conveyed to Tony Stafiri, the CEO of Rogers, on multiple occasions since the 8th of July. Here's Rogers CEO Tony Stafiri talking with MPs in the Canadian Parliament. We had procedures in place to ensure that 911 and emergency essential services would switch over to an alternate carrier's network for very specific technical reasons, that automatic transfer did not happen. And sometimes it would get a little heated. Here's MP Nathaniel B. Erskine-Smith in an exchange with Stafari regarding the Shaw merger. They have alternative and they have choice. Wait, wait, so, so, wait, wait, so wait you, you think Canadians have alternative and choice in this marketplace? Very much so. And you're saying that with a straight face? Canadians, they can get feisty sometimes. Here's another exchange for you PMs out there on the Rogers Sandbox testing environment. And normally one would expect that the upgrade would have been tested extensively and deployed in a sandboxed uh, test environment. And in fact, Mr. McKenzie indicated this was uh, done when he was responding to MP Cram. So I want to dive a little deeper and ask, did you use both Cisco and Juniper in the Sandbox test or only one of those manufacturers' products? And how will you ensure future Sandbox testing will have greater rigor and resilience? I'll start with two broad comments. And one is pre-testing of certain changes where practical is always done. In certain cases, it's impractical. And what you saw here was an outage that made its way throughout the entire network. And so it's difficult to have a test environment that replicates the entirety of a very complex network across the nation. And that's why in this case, we would have been unable to test this in what we would call a lab environment. It's very difficult to simulate a live full environment. It can be parts, in this case, because this was the sixth time and the previous five times, there was never an indication that there was any issue. This was a unique, a very unique case in the way one particular manufacturer designed their system and how it handles flow control and traffic. And the way it went into one mode flooded because the other handles traffic in a very different fashion. So and it was could, that within minutes. Could the Canada-wide failure have been avoided with a staged regional deployment where you would have first deployed in some smaller regional networks and then expanded gradually across the country, like even over a few days if no issues were detected? So the all carriers, we, we, we all use and have for many years a co the concept of a common IP core. So the common IP core is what's at the root here. And a common IP core is designed for, obviously, security purposes. Um, it lets you manage and it lets you, it lets you essentially, the, I, I would describe it as the brain of the network. And so it's not something that traditionally is regionalized. All operators use a common core and then use what's called access networks to feed into that. 
The okay. access networks can be managed. Thank in you. This I have case. limited time. So, <laughs> so now Rogers has committed to spending $250 million to upgrade the core infrastructure while crosses its fingers, hoping that it hasn't screwed up the Shaw deal that it's been working on for quite some time. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode going behind the scenes of one of Canadians' largest communications outages in recent history all because of some erroneous code. We will see you right back here next week. Uh, But until then, for Michael Saka, I'm Mike Belsito, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.